I'm so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you, through you, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to send your prayer request and share your story with us at jcc.life forward slash prayer. If you would also like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at jcc.life forward slash give. There you can simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We consume all sorts of foods and we, uh, we know that most foods, almost all foods have an expiration date on them, right? They have an expiration date on them. And those dates let us know how long we can expect the food to be good for. Those dates inform us you have up until this date to consume this food. But once that expiration date has been reached or passed, uh, most people, I say most people because I know not all people, most people discard the food and they, they buy something else or they buy something new to replace it. Uh, but you can always tell uh, when, when that food that you purchased, that when you first bought it, it was good for you, right? But you can always tell when it's no longer good for you because it develops a strong odor, perhaps. It, it takes on or a, a new shape or a new form. If you've had vegetables, they turn into something else that you've never seen before, fruit perhaps. And, and if neither of those happen uh, and you're bold enough to try it, perhaps your taste buds tell you that what, what was once good is no longer good and it's now sour to taste. And just as it is with food, there are items we must recognize uh, when it comes to our relationships. Relationships of people that were once good to us are no longer good for us. And learning to recognize when a relationship has run its course is a skill that will keep us uh, and help us as we move forward. It'll keep us from harm, it'll keep us from danger, it'll keep us from cycles, it'll keep us from traps. And, in, and instead of being trapped in these relationships that have lost their value, we have to be able to recognize when a relationship has reached the end of its course. When it no longer adds value to us, when we can no longer find purpose in it, Somebody say, kiss Orpa goodbye. Kiss Orpa goodbye. Uh, there was a man named Elimelech. Elimelech, he lived in Bethlehem, the land of Judah. And when a severe famine had threatened his life and the lives of his family there in Bethlehem, he moved them to a nearby country called Moab. And in Moab, while they were there, Elimelech, uh, he had him, his two sons, and then he had his wife, and he had his two sons, uh, daughter, oh, wives, excuse me, uh, his two daughter-in-laws. But what happened was, while they were in Moab, Elimelech and his two sons died. Perhaps you've heard the story, maybe you haven't. Uh, we're going to hear it today just a little bit, and I invite you, uh, in your spare time, to visit the book of Ruth. It's a great story. It'll bless your life. But while Elimelech was in Moab, he lost his life, and his two sons lost their lives as well. Leaving Elimelech, he left back his wife as he 
died and his two sons left their two wives. And in that time frame, uh, in that time period, should I say, uh, for a woman to be without a husband wasn't the greatest of things to take place. Because a husband, a man was a provider. And so now these three women, uh, Ruth, Naomi, and Orpah, were left as widows with, with no home. They were left with no means of income. They were left with no protection. And so they found themselves in this, this devastating place of where do we go from here? And so going on in the story, we find that Naomi, who is Elimelech's wife, he decides, uh, she decides, excuse me, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. That's where my family is. I heard that everything's going well there now, so I'm going to head back home. And she tells her two daughter-in-law, she said, y'all stay here in Moab. Y'all are from Moab. Your family's here in Moab. They'll take care of you here. You'll be all right. I'm going back to Bethlehem. And so uh, eventually uh, Orpah says to both of, the, both of the wives, they say to, to Naomi, we'll go with you. We want to go with, we're, we're not going to leave. You know how people, they, they give you a little lip service. We're going to go with you. It sounds good right now. We're going to go with you. No, we don't want you to travel, make that journey by yourself. We're going to go with you. She says, no, 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 y'all stay here. But Orpah, she says, all right, I'm going to stay here. God bless you. Bye-bye. But then there's Naomi. Naomi decides, and she tells her, if you want to turn with me, Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. It's on the screen for you as well. Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. She tells her, entreat me not to leave you. This is Ruth talking to Naomi. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. So Ruth tells Naomi, Wherever you decide to go, I'm going with you. I'm sticking it out with you. You're not leaving me. I'm not leaving you. We're in this thing together. The lesson I'd like for all of us to leave here with today is this. Some people are created and intended to be covenant partners in your life, while other people will only be halfway friends. Some people... If I can change that, few people are created and intended to be covenant partners in your life, while other people will only be halfway friends. Halfway friends, I don't mean to belittle anyone and say that they're just, um, they're less than, or they're not important, or they don't have relevance. Halfway friends just simply means that they're only meant for a season in your life. Um, not to demean anybody, because you might think, ooh, yeah, that's a halfway person, because I remember what they did to me, da 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 No, everybody has value. <laughs> They're just not meant to be with you the whole journey. All right, so uh, some people are created and intended to be covenant partners in your life, while other people will only be halfway friends. Everyone who comes into your life, 
is not supposed to be a best friend. Uh, everyone who comes into your life is, is not supposed to be a member of your inner circle or someone you trust with your hopes and your fears. Okay, God, God does bring long-term people. He brings deep uh, relational people. He brings uh, dependable friends into our lives. And so we thank God for the people that he brings into our lives, both short term and long term. But he also causes us to intersect, intersect with people who come into our lives for a specific season or a particular purpose. And so we must understand the difference between covenant partners and halfway friends. There's a difference. And so. What is a covenant, covenant partner? I am so glad you asked. A covenant partner, uh, just a covenant in general, is more than a promise or an agreement. A covenant, uh, it's a, a solemn, serious, unbreakable bond that exists uh, between the following. One, it exists between God and an individual. You can have a covenant with God. Uh, for example, there was God and Abraham. God had a covenant with Abraham. You can have a covenant with God and a group of people. Uh, for, ex for example, there was God and Israel. God had a covenant, still has a covenant with the people in the land of Israel. And you can have a covenant between two individuals. You can research it in the word. David and Jonathan, there was a covenant in between the two of them. And then there can be a, a covenant between nations, two groups of people. And so uh, there's one covenant that's called the blood covenant. A blood covenant, you may have heard of it. It's the highest, most powerful, more, most serious form of a covenant. Uh, and, and it's sealed with blood. Sealed with blood. Has anybody ever made a blood covenant before? Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. No. Okay. So a blood covenant. I've seen a couple of people when I was a kid. I've seen kids do it. I didn't partake because yes. Uh, but it's where you cut yourself. You expose the blood. Um, and so I thank God for the study of this and for wisdom from my parents. But what I saw kids do, they would cut themselves and then they would put it together and like mess it up. And I'm like, that don't, don't look right. But a real blood covenant is where you cut yourself and you place dirt or some other object in there to cover up the wound and then it turns into a scar. It turns into a scar. Biblically, that's what a blood covenant is. And so it, it, it bound the relationship to seal the relationship. This physical mark, this scar becomes an outward sign of the covenant relationship. For example, Jesus came to this earth. And he died for our sins. Anybody remember in the Bible that when the disciples saw him, they asked, where are the nail scars in your hand and where is it in your feet? And he showed them, here is my scar. And because of what Jesus did for us on, on the Calvary of cross and holy because he shed his blood for us, we have a blood covenant with God today. That's what our relationship with him is based off of. There's another type of covenant. I couldn't find the appropriate name for it because it was in Greek and it was in Hebrew and I just couldn't interpret it. So I called it the gift covenant, the gift covenant. And so in biblical times, they uh, when people wanted to be in covenant, aside from a blood covenant, another thing that they would do is that they would exchange gifts with each other. They would exchange gifts with each other and it would symbolize that we are now in covenant. What's yours? is mine and what's mine 
is yours. And so that's what the gift covenant uh, represented. An exchanging of gifts uh, represented that covenant. If one person lacked food or shelter uh, and they could count on that person that they were in covenant with to meet their need. Those things uh, were provided. Those things were supplied. And so this was an intimate binding nature of their relationship. A covenant. A covenant. And so there's people that you may be in covenant even with now. Uh, it goes beyond marriage. We know that we enter into a covenant when we're in marriage. But then there's also friendships where we can have covenant with people as well. But in this story of, uh, of Ruth and Naomi and, and uh, Orpah, there's three characteristics of a covenant partner that I'd like to bring out, point out to you. There's actually six I just wanted to highlight three of them for the sake of time. But the first one is a covenant partner can accept change. A covenant partner can accept change. When, when Orpah realized Naomi, Naomi was serious about going back to Bethlehem, she decided to stay with what was comfortable and familiar. Now, you have to recognize that uh, that was OK, because with her husband being deceased, she had fulfilled her, 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 her duties as a wife and as a daughter in law. So she had every right, every right to uh, to end her covenant with her mother in law, Naomi. But Orpah decided, no, I'm going to stay in this land of Moab. And uh, and so she stayed there in that land. And so. She had made that decision. But how many know that there's, again, there are people who are supposed to be with you always. And there's some people that are supposed to be with you part of the way. And so we call them halfway friends. Can you say that with me? Halfway friends. Halfway friends. Halfway friends aren't really open to change. Halfway friends aren't really open to change. They're, they're fine as long as you keep doing what you've always done or stay where you've always been. Don't rock the cradle. Don't make any sudden movements. I can't handle that. As long as you do what's comfortable for me, I'll stay in your life. But, but when you decide to do something different, when the, that's when the other person perhaps may become distant or disengaged. I don't have to prove it to you because we've all lived long enough to have experienced this already in our lives. When you decide to make a decision for God or for Christ, automatically there's people that fall off from your life because they don't want to be a part. They're not ready yet. And there's, that's no dig against them. Perhaps they're just not ready to make that same decision that you made. They're not ready to make those changes that you made. So in that instance, they decide to disengage from you. I ain't heard from you in a long time. You used to call me every day. Why haven't I heard from you? Oh, you want something different now. I, you know, I just decided to go my own way. For example, there's, there's some... Uh, some people who just may be satisfied in a relationship where you provide for them financially. Eyes closed. Uh, no, nobody in here. It's just people we know uh, that provide for other people financially. But but once you decide that I can no longer support your lifestyle, I can no longer 
uh, uh, provide for you, then you see that people begin to disengage. Let me, I had this instance happen with me. Um, there was a person I was fond of and thought she was fond of me. And I'm the type of guy that if I'm, if I'm courting a, a, a young lady, uh, then I, I don't believe that she's supposed to pay for anything, right? And, um, oh, God, why did I go here? And so, uh, and so uh, time keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking into the future is what the songwriter said. And about a year had went on, and there was no offer to, there was no movement of a wallet, no, no jiggling of a purse to pull anything out, no gesture of anything like that. And I'm like, well, at some point, you just offer at least to pay for something. And um, so I tried it, and uh, I, we were out to eat, and I went up to the counter, and I, I placed my order, and he said, is that it? I said, yes, that is my order. Here's my money. And so I let her pay behind me. So we sat down at the table, and she asked me, Do you, are you attached to your money? I said, I said, I'm not attached to my money. I said, I was just trying to see if you would actually offer to pay for me. And uh, that was the end of that relationship. <laughs> and uh, she disengaged, praise God, and so did I. Uh, but there's some people who are only with you for what you can provide. And maybe it's not money. Perhaps it's some, some emotional attachment, something that you do for them. Maybe in their weakest moment, you're the person that can bring them up. Maybe you're the joy in the midst of their depression. But how many know if you're not reciprocating that? I can't carry you. Yeah. And so people disengage when you change things up. But a covenant partner can accept change. They're willing to roll with the punches. They may not understand it, but they'll go with you because they know that you are doing something worthwhile. So those who cannot support you and rejoice with you are not destined to be with you in a long-term purposeful covenant relationship. Number two, a covenant partner does not run away during difficulty. A covenant partner does not run away during difficulty. One of the greatest statements of unfailing devotion is written in the Bible, and it's written in the uh, Ruth chapter 1, verse 17, and, and it's where uh, Ruth tells Naomi, where you die, I will be buried. Meaning that wherever you die, I will be there, and when you die, I will live my life out, and when it's time for me to die, I'll be very close to you. Think about this. Ruth has never seen this place that they are going to. Ruth has been in Moab. Her family's in Moab. Naomi is from Bethlehem. And Ruth says to Naomi, I will go with you. She's never been there to this place called Bethlehem. She doesn't know anyone there except Naomi. Both the culture and the religion of their destination are completely foreign to Ruth. But yet, with so much uncertainty ahead of her, she makes a lifelong commitment to Naomi that wherever you die I will die and I will be buried there I'm going with you and I will stay with you for the rest of your life in fact wherever you die is the place I will die Ruth has a no matter what devotion 
No matter what comes, no matter what goes, I will be with you. She was determined to stay. She wasn't going to abandon Naomi or pull back from her regardless of what happened. She wasn't going to do that. She was going to stick it through with her until the end. When difficulties arise in our lives, we need people who will stay. We need people to comfort us. We need people to encourage us. We need people to support us and and refuse to leave us no matter how bad things become. I want to minister right now to the person who feels neglected, to the person who feels rejected, to the person who feels like I would just like for somebody to stick it out with me. It seems like when things get tough, there's no one to be found, no one to count on. But I want to tell you, today just like I said last Sunday first of all that God is with you he promised he would never leave you or forsake you he gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit but he gave you a body a body of believers found in Journey Community Church and we will stick it out with you and if nobody else will call pastor text pastor Lawrence and at some point he'll get back to you and I'll stick it out with you I need somebody to encourage me I need somebody to let me know it's going to be okay. I need somebody to tell me I can get through this. This isn't the end of my story. And refuse to leave me. If I cuss you out, you're not going to leave me. You'll understand that I'm in a weird place right now. And you'll pray me through. If people step away, stop and stop communicating or they seem unavailable when you are going through a challenging time, even though they may have a number, a number, a number of good qualities, they probably aren't a covenant partner. I need somebody to be there. Can you do me a favor? Turn the person, tell the person that's closest to you, tell them I need you. You may not know it now, but I do need you. Sometimes it's just the smile that you give, I need you. Sometimes it's just seeing your face, I need you. Number three, a covenant partner trusts God. Ruth says to Naomi, your people will be my people. In Ruth chapter 1 verse 16, Ruth had had been raised in Moab, remember, a place that was, was part of the promised land and regarded as hostile and, and an enemy territory for God's people. And we can only surmise for, for, um, for something, that something happened, excuse me, in the course of the relationship between Ruth and Naomi that proved to Ruth that Naomi's God was the one true God. I don't know what happened. The Bible doesn't say what happened. But in their time together as as mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, something took place. Naomi lived a life. Naomi believed. Naomi prayed. Naomi did something to show Ruth that the God that she served was the one true God. And so whatever she saw in her, in Naomi's walk with God, she wanted it. Something about Naomi's faith, birth faith in God for Ruth. I want to ask you the question, the people that you're connected to, is the God in you, the life that you live, the example that you are every day, can somebody count on that same God that you're showing them? 
for instance, if I talk about how God did something for me, how, who God has been to me, forget what he's done for me. Can I tell you about who he is to me? Uh, beyond what he can do for me, he can do anything for me, but, but who he is to me, I, can I tell you, I almost lost it during worship when I start thinking about who God is to me, and I ain't about to lose it now. Uh, he has been everything to me. Everything. So much so that I can't, I can't give myself the credit. I can't give the IRS the credit even when they gave me a refund on my taxes. I can't give my job the credit. I can't give my boss the credit because God has been everything to me. When I couldn't tell anybody, I told God. And he listened to me. He not only listened to me, but he gave me peace concerning what I was going through. When, 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 when nobody else saw the tears, the Bible promises, it says that, that he bottles up every tear that I've cried. Every single one. And when no one was there to comfort me, he comforted me. That's who he's been to me. So when I tell somebody else who he's been to me, yes, he's done great things. Yes, he has, he's worked miracles. And yes, he's opened doors, things that were impossible. He's made them possible. Yes, but who he is to me. When I tell somebody that, what? Tell me more. How do I meet this God? How do I get to know this God? That's, that's what Ruth and Naomi had going on. When your faith is challenged and it begins to waver, when you're faced with many unknowns and when you begin to doubt the things you normally believe uh, firmly or even when you begin to fear the threatening uncertainties that lie ahead of you, you need someone around you. To whom you can say, your God is my God. What he's done for you, he can do for me. Who he is to you, he can be the same to me. You need someone who trusts God completely. Who will pray for you and encourage you to trust him too. And the reason why I say this, this one is a touchy subject is because we believe that people who have been with us and walked through us through even dark stages for a long time. Perhaps they've been there since grade school. Perhaps they've been there since college. And, and we say that this is my covenant partner. I want to challenge you on that because if they're not saved, if they're not walking with God, how is it that when you fall or, or, or even when you find yourself in a situation where you need them to pray for you, when you need them to tell you not their opinion but what God says about you, I need Someone who's walking with God to be my covenant partner. A covenant partner is mature in faith. Growing in faith. They'll remind you that God is faithful. That his word is true. And that he never, ever fails. Anybody ever need to be reminded of that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't care if it's every day. I don't care if it's in a season where you need to hear it every hour. We need to be reminded that God is faithful. How do you know when someone is not a covenant partner for you? Again, I'm so glad you asked. I heard it. I heard the questions. Uh, here we go. Uh, someone who simply gets excited about being your friend, especially when he or she benefits from the good things that happen to you, 
is not a covenant partner. Someone who simply gets excited about being your friend, especially when he or she benefits from the good things that happen to you, is not the covenant partner. Number two, uh, someone whose friendship is inconsistent, inconsistent is not a covenant partner. Someone who disappears when you are going through a tough time is not a covenant partner. If I end up in jail, please come visit me. Please come see about me. Someone who, who wants to separate or isolate you from friends and family is not a covenant partner. Someone who wants to separate or isolate you from friends and family is not a covenant partner. I'm posting that one on Instagram. That's how you sneaky preach. You can do it through social media. Yeah. Next one, a person who is spiritually immature or who does not share your faith in Jesus Christ is not a covenant partner. They can be, but you need them to be spiritually mature because there's going to come a time when you need them. Next one, a person who only calls on you when he or she is in need and does not ever offer to help or support you is not a covenant partner. It's a one-way relationship. You give, they receive. You give, they receive. You give, they... Can I flip that to help somebody today? They give and you receive. They give and you receive. They give and you receive. You are not a covenant partner if you're the only one on the receiving end. Someone who needs excessive time, attention, or validation from you will become a burden and is not a covenant partner. Someone who needs excessive time, attention, or validation. Can I add on a consistent basis? You five years in the game and they still need excessive time, attention, validation from you. They become a burden. They are not a covenant partner. Healthy relationships. I want to I wanna focus just a little bit on this. I'm closing very soon, actually. Healthy relationships require both people to carry their own weight, whether we believe it or not. Healthy relationships require both people to carry their own weight and walk on their own two feet. Each person must be capable of managing his or her life financially, emotionally, physically, professionally, socially, and in every other way. They got to be capable of managing their own life. Now, there will come times when in one of these areas, two of these areas, three of these areas, they're lacking because life happens. Life happens. I remember when my dad died, I lost my mind. Lost my mind. And the funny thing was, I didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. Walked around. <laughs> I was going to say my clothes weren't ironed. Some might say they still aren't ironed. When you see me depending during the week, that might be true. But. My clothes weren't ironed. They were too big for me. My jacket literally was hanging off of me. I remember because I looked at myself in the mirror one time. I'm like, I just don't care. My shoes were untied. Shoes were untied. The tongue of my shoe was flipping back and forth as I walked down the hall. I, my hair, my hair wasn't cut. It, it looked horrible. It, everything about me, I mean, I went to work, didn't care about my job. If I did a good job, cool. If it didn't go well, cool. 
I didn't care. My dad died. I remember that vividly. And so there will become times, there has come times where somebody, you know, they can't do all of these things, but that should only last for a season. You shouldn't have to carry people for years on out. You shouldn't have to. Can I get an amen if anybody believes that? All right. Uh, so when one person leans too heavily on the other, the relationship it then becomes unbalanced and unhealthy. Unhealthy. And what I want to challenge you to do is, is take inventory of the relationships in your life, where they're at. Are they unhealthy? Are they unbalanced? If so, how long have they been that way? And how can you take measures or actions to address it? If you are the one being leaned on, you will burn out, whether you believe it or not. Over time, you will burn out and wear out after a while because people get heavy. Over time, it becomes too much. Over time, you're bothered. Over time, you don't know whether you're going or coming because you're carrying someone else. And so when you are looking to identify covenant partners, keep these things in mind. Look for, look for, look for individuals who are confident and strong enough, strong enough to live their lives, take care of themselves so that you won't always have to take care of them. They need to be secure enough to be who they are and live their own lives while walking with you, while walking with you. Secure enough and live their own lives while walking with you. Secure enough, healthy enough, living their own lives while walking with you. Last question for you. How do you handle a halfway friend? So glad you asked. Uh, when, o when Oprah, she decided to return home, when you read the story, she decided to return home. In the story, uh, Naomi's response wasn't your typical response. Um, Anybody watch soap operas? Anybody ever watched a soap opera? There we go. Young and the Restless. All my children, bold and the beautiful. As the world turns. What's the one on channel 11? These are the days of, listen, when I was in grade school, every day I got, oh, glory to God. So I couldn't wait for summertime to come because I would, day these are the, Amen. Uh, anytime somebody was leaving, breaking up, divorcing, some crazy situation, they would beg, please don't go. Please stay. I'll do what you want me to do. Please don't leave me. And so Naomi, Naomi didn't do any of that when Orpah said that she was going to stay in Moab. Guess what Naomi did? They kissed each other on the cheeks, on the lips, what have you. And she said, God bless you and goodbye. How do you handle a halfway friend? When the season is up, you don't beg them to stay. When they say, I got to go. Or they show you that they're no longer interested. You don't change in order to help them stay longer. You simply kiss them on the cheek, send them a text or an email. Perhaps you can call them or tell them in person, that's better. And let them know, God bless you, goodbye, peace out, deuces.
that simple, that easy. And it's no, no shade against you, no shade against them. This season has run its course. Beyond person-to-person relationship while I was sitting there, God showed me that there are things that we're attached to, things that we've been in relationship with, things that we've been in covenant with. Uh, Perhaps it's an addiction. Perhaps it's someone feeling bad for you, feeling sorry for you. Perhaps, I don't know what it could be that you could be attached to that you're, you're in covenant with that thing. You don't know how to let that thing go. You got to make the decision to kiss that thing goodbye. Maybe it's the pity parties that you throw for yourself. Every now and then, every other month, perhaps every week. You got to stop. Goodbye. I'm better than this. Goodbye. I have the victory because God gave it to me. Goodbye. I'm not stressing. God gave me peace. He told me my my end is great. So there's no need for me to worry. Goodbye. 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 Thanks for listening to this week's message from Journey Community Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag JCCMN.